0: to the Commercial Disco, the only show dedicated to exploring the great stories and people driving Australia's unique innovation and tech landscape. Now over to your host, James Riley.
1: Welcome to the Commercial Disco. I'm James Riley from Innovation Oz. Today I'm talking to Gabrielle Upton, Parliamentary Secretary to Premier Gladys Jicklian in the New South Wales government. Welcome, Gabrielle.
0: Thank you, James.
1: And today we're going to be talking about the findings of a, an accelerating R and D action plan that um, Gabrielle was tasked by the Premier to undertake. There are a couple of things I wanted to just ask you about first. I know that you were originally asked to do this in October 2019. You appointed an advisory council at that time, which reads like a bit of a who's who of AOs in Australia, but chaired by David Gonski, but including Catherine Livingston, Larry Marshall, Michelle Simmons, Daniel Petrie, David Thurdy, Jennifer Westcott, all very well known in our industry. But I think it's probably fair to say your chief partner in crime in this venture was Hugh Durrant-White. Is that fair to say, the New South Wales government's uh, chief scientist? Yes, it
0: is. And really, I'd say it's kind of a triumvirate of, David Gonski, who I've worked with over many years, he and I had shared an interest in this area, and Hugh, who I've got to know through this process, which has been an amazing collaboration, he is the brain, the arms and the legs of science, technology and research translation in the South Wales Government.
1: Look, I'm a little bit fascinated by this. The result of all your activity was the release in January last month of turning ideas into jobs, accelerating R&D action plan. During the latter part of 2020, the New South Wales government or the Treasurer also released the New South Wales economic blueprint. Yeah,
0: that was actually the chief economist. So the Treasurer received the paper, but it was done at arm's length from the Treasurer.
1: Right. Okay. I only mentioned that because there's some interesting crossover of some ideas there. All right, now.
0: Can I say that was intentional? Because one thing that I was keen to make sure is that we embedded into the action plan the related initiatives across government. And I think we've done that reasonably successfully. So, yes, we do mention the blueprint and we mentioned the previous COVID recovery plan.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think the further across government you get and the greater support you have for these things, the greater the chance of success. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting plan. There is a big focus on innovation. There seems to be an appetite around the world on kind of R&D led recovery or you know this is the time to invest in R&D to build new industries of in the future. So New South Wales is obviously on board with that. When you started it was 2019 pre-covid when you finished it was obviously you'd been through a year of covid. So what changed in that 12 months and that appetite for R&D led industrial policy you know is that entirely COVID related?
0: You're right. The work started pre-COVID. So we announced in October 2019. And then COVID really started to make a major difference to the way that government was conducted, the way that we were living our lives from mid-March onwards. So in many ways, it brought an urgency into the work that we were doing. And there were reasons for that. So through COVID, we found that innovation was part of the solution to some of the challenging issues that government had. And the government was tasked with keeping people healthy and safe, but also at the same time trying to not impact the economic well-being of the state as well. So to get that balance, which is always a, a really hard one to to maintain. But it was during COVID where we saw a lot of our companies pivot from an application of what technology and industry they are in to help us pretty rapidly build up stockpiles of PPE Uh, to make sure our hospitals were in a good position to be able to respond to what wasn't realised but could have been large numbers of people having to be admitted. So we saw that great feature come of the necessity of COVID. And so I think out of that, we had a recognition broadly across government, across my colleagues, that innovation was something, yes, that we are good at. We know that New South Wales is good at and there are historical examples of that, but that we can do it in a contemporary way it also the work aligned with the COVID recovery plan, which the Premier announced last year. There were six initiatives there. We were able to tick off a couple of those boxes there, which were consistent with what we wanted to do. And, yeah, COVID was, you know, had a silver lining in that it broke a lot of the barriers down between agencies, departments and clusters in government because it, we were being very purposeful about making sure that we kept people as healthy as we possibly could. So we in government found new ways of working as well. So, you know, they were influential, not necessarily in why the project was set up, to your point, but they did bring a focus on the benefits of innovation more broadly and how we could capitalise on the circumstances that we found ourselves in.
1: Okay, can I ask you a sort of a, I guess it's a philosophical question, and I wonder whether the year of 2020 had any impact on this but what do you now consider the role of government in picking winners? I mean, this has been a kind of a weird question where one minute picking winners is a or well, one year. It's a, something that we, we should be doing. And then, you know, further down the track, it's something we shouldn't be doing. And then goes back to how it was before. I'm wondering what, based on this policy announcement, like has anything changed philosophically about really targeting specific industries and possibly even companies?
0: So the report recommendations to government are we do need to develop a clearer view of where our strengths are in industry and where they are in research. And between the economic blueprint you mentioned before and between other pronouncements government's made over the term of our government, you can see there are some common themes in terms of industries that are material to our social and economic well-being in the state, and you can see some features of strong research competency in the state. So. I would say this, that the message in our action plan is we really need to be clearer about what we are going to pursue in terms of industry investment and also in terms of research and research translation in particular. It's helpful to the stakeholders out there because then they have something to follow and decide whether, in fact, they fit into part of what we want to realise in terms of innovation, new industries and the success of our business in our state. So... It's winners in the sense that the report, the action plan says you need to get clear about what those competencies are and it's not any research competency and we might want to go with research that will create new industries, but it's also so connected to where industry strengths are or comparative advantages and we want to go to that as well. So in this plan, we say we need a 20-year R&D strategy, which is something we're getting on and doing. So it's picking winners in the sense that there's directional guidance from government. It's not saying you know, that is the only industry that we'll focus on. It might say, for example, we know that we have a, a large investment to quantum computing, for example, through a number of government investments. We know that we have a bet in the future of quantum computing through a number of our universities here. So that would be one, for example, where just even if you look at our footprint, you'd say the government has invested broadly so it, it's winners, in a sense, of being clear about what you think your strengths are, and if they're not your strengths, where your emergent strengths are, and actually saying, this is where we're going to invest, this is where we're going to translate research.
1: So I have one specific area that I guess is mentioned across a couple of reports, but in artificial intelligence across the world, there's been, like when you talk about bets, like multi-billion dollar bets by uh, you know, the US, China, Russia, a bunch of uh, European nations, Australia has been slightly reticent in this space. There hasn't been the kind of largesse. I'm just wondering, given in the report you talk about scaling up some of the government's commercialisation programs, I'm wondering if now is the time we might start seeing some kind of commercialisation fund in that area.
0: So we do call out, but it's not an audited, ticked off list of research strengths in the report. And one of them is AI, is robotics. I mentioned quantum computing, advanced manufacturing. Defence. So there's five where just on a more than a whim, but some pretty serious observations with stakeholders, we've called out research strengths. Uh, there may be others, but they're kind of the ones and AI is a part of that.
1: We will be uh, obviously watching and waiting to, uh, to see how those programs roll out. Is some of the material developments based on this report be more visible after the next budget, does this now get fed into New South Wales government budgetary cycle and we'll find out where funding is going?
0: That's definitely the intention and it's definitely something that I'm myself pushing for as kind of a lead advocate inside of the political side of government. We did get gratifyingly, even before we announced the plan, the Premier was um, and the Treasurer supported a bid for $24 million to get two of the initiatives kicked off. So we're already working on those and scoping them up and we have a timeline for when we'll be calling for RFPs for those two initiatives, or we might launch those initiatives. But there are other unfunded primary or principal actions in it. We call them priority actions. And then some of the supporting actions don't so much go to funded, but decisions of government about structure and implementation from the governance standpoint. Where does a feature like research translation city government, it has any number of homes at the moment, And that's part of what we need to fix so that we actually get a focus on it and we measure it and we can understand how it works and um, bring the focus that we haven't had on research translation,
1: I think, for a number of years. So I'll pick you up on that. Where would that sit? Where's the most logical place that you can see?
0: The recommendation of our report is that the Premier takes the lead. So that would mean we proposed that an agency called Research and Development New South Wales would sit inside the Premier's cluster, Department of Premier and Cabinet, and uh, we've made a couple of other recommendations. They sit right at the beginning of our supporting recommendations about if you had that agency sitting there, how you would then ensure that it could make things happen across clusters. I think the most powerful message about research and development translation is within government to say, you know, it's a bit like infrastructure that has an economic multiplier for the state in terms of jobs and investment by other companies. But with research and development, equally as infrastructure investment is across health, is across transport and other clusters, research and development is also an economic lever. And it's really agnostic as to what application it has and what cluster or agency it sits. And so it does need to sit, like infrastructure New South Wales, at the centre of government in DPC, and then we have to make sure, and we make some recommendations in the action plan about this, about how it brings about the authority to ensure the investments that we make across government align with the R&D roadmap, that's part of the recommendations as well, and that we execute on the account across government. But there is also recognition that the research and development investment that we make, which is about $500 million currently does need to be kind of worked through and settled in consultation with the cluster agencies who have the, um, the day-to-day carriage of research sitting into their agency activity. So it's getting that kind of whole-of-government approach where it needs to sit but recognising that there's got to be a certain amount of autonomy in the clusters to actually execute day-to-day, but they have to be accountable for the dollars and the activities they're funded for in research and development translation at the same time.
1: Okay, let's move on to the five core areas or five core recommendations made in your report. The first one launch a small business innovation research program, which is around inviting outsiders to come in and solve government problems and effectively set up potentially commercial products as a result. Just step us through that. It's something that um, has been successful elsewhere.
0: It has. And look, a point that we make in this report is that not every idea in this action plan is original, but what is unique about this is that it's brought together as a comprehensive package of things to do to respond to what stakeholders said we needed to do to realise the opportunity the government has. And, you know, leadership and coordination accountability are some of the most important things around research and development and translation. So the SBIR is an example of that. It's been very successful in other countries around the world. In America, primarily, which is where we're kind of, what should I say, shamelessly copying the idea because it's a good one and it has a good record of translational research and economic multipliers in terms of setting up the industries and solving government problems at the same time. So basically, it says you give, we've got um, $22 million to run the SBIR program over two years. And as I said, this is kind of the kickoff money. From uh, the Premier and the Treasurer. And what it does, it asks agencies across government to identify discrete problems that they might have they can't solve. So they're not the big challenge mission type things, longer, healthier living, you know, safer management and prevention bushfires. It is really kind of granular and focused. And with that, you call for innovative solutions from companies and you give them a little bit of money to work that up. If it looks like something that has promise, you give them a little bit more money to test a prototype. But ultimately the power of the SBIR is that government is the first customer for whatever solution chosen has chosen as being the best one. And you can run a number of these small, discrete challenges at the same time. And we don't do this in government. We give kind of support to the innovation stakeholders at various times, but we don't create that sense of momentum through You know, think of a creative solution, give you some money to kind of work it up, test it so there's market demand, plus solve our problem in government. So that's the unique feature of SPIR.
1: And that's, if I'm right, that starts beginning of next financial year and is being kind of worked up now as a program. Yeah, it's been
0: worked up as we speak. The timing is such that we would expect that. Gosh, probably we're going to have two rounds, I think. And, again, it's it's early days, but I would anticipate there would be some feasibility study applications for problems that will be framed up, and we're talking with agencies at the moment, probably about April or May of this year, so it's not that far off, and then really proof of concept for those in early 2022, and then we'll have a second a second round that will be released in about this time in 2022 and probably a year behind So, yeah, we're very actively scoping out at the
1: moment. Okay, next core recommendation to boost open data. This is an area that New South Wales has already been fairly Mm -hmm. active in, certainly a leader in, in Australia. So when you're talking about boosting, what's the boost?
0: So you're right. I mean, New South Wales has done a tremendous amount to bring its data competencies together across clusters again, which is always the secret to a much better outcome. And so, coming back to the premise, we were pulling out agnostically the features of innovation lever. It didn't matter whether it's something we already did, it didn't matter whether it's something we didn't do. So, in the case of the SPI, we don't do it. With data, the momentum is there, but the common observation by stakeholders was that we didn't make enough data available. We didn't make it easily enough obtained. So, in other words, our kind of back office administration for making data sets available, for curating them, to use that word again, to make them as useful as possibly can be. We didn't didn't do enough of that. And we know we've released open data in certain areas of government, but there are areas where we haven't released as much data and there's a lot in the environmental portfolio that could be released beyond that, which we already have. So it's number two of the five priority actions of this plan to accelerate research and development. We were literally saying, Let us boost it with more data, uh, better curated, because not only does it help solve some of our problems, but it can create new businesses when that kind of data is available. So it's just, it's an enhancer for for business itself and creation of businesses, let alone the benefits it can bring to the government.
1: Okay, turbocharging precincts was your third of those five core recommendations. I mean, there are a lot of high-profile precincts here in New South Wales, the the new airport, the Lucas Heights nuclear facility, the Tech Central, all of these Mm -hmm. things. You talk about how you'll embed or seek to embed R&D directly into those precincts. I guess some of those areas would be easier than others. Uh, Lucas Heights it might have that covered already, but how would you do that at Tech Central, for example, to ensure that Actual researchers are sitting next to the um, hyper commercial companies out of the startup sector.
0: Yeah, now that's a good point. So we've got three main metro precincts. I suppose we call them priority precincts. So Tech Central, you mentioned, Aerotropolis and Westmeet Innovation Precinct. that's based around the hospital there and the research institutes. There are our regional precincts. So we call them our special activation precincts. There's one in Wagga, there's one in Parks. There's work going on one in the Central Coast, but, you know, we have many, many more precincts. You mentioned ANSTO, which has both state and federal investment in it, much like Eritropolis. There are, I think at last count, something over like 35 precincts. There are different levels of maturity. They have different focuses. And what you need to do with the precincts, you need to, to your point that you were talking about, you know, you need to focus. So... You need to say in the metropolitan area, for those that are sizeable, we need to call them out and make them, you know, the priority ones. So that's how you get to Tech Central, Eritropolis and Westmead. They do different things. Eritropolis is a greenfield site. Tech Central is a brownfield site that has other activities around it, but innovation going on either side of it, into Ebley and into the city. And then when you're talking about Westmead, you know, very deeply embedded precision medicine competencies, clinical practice, So they're very different things at very different stages of maturity. But the point that we were making behind this priority action is that maybe in the case of Westmead, and I'll come to Tech Central in a moment, you really want to be able to call out what your three or four core strengths for research translation are going to be. So you might be doing 150 things, but the key to getting the connection between startups coming in, helping solve some of the clinical problems or deep science problems you have, you know, large primes and others is actually being able to call out and say, these are the things we do really well. We want to build them. We want to build them better. We want um, industry to come and invest. I mean, why shouldn't the next CSL sit somewhere in Westmead? I don't know. It should. And when you've got Aerotropolis, we've got a Greenfield site where you can say the research focuses and industry focuses there have been called out as being ag advanced manufacturing and defence. And that's kind of dictated by where it is and the fact that the airport, there are lots of infrastructure. It's a growing year of Sydney where there are manufacturing jobs in the traditional sense based all around there. But coming to Tech Central, which is the newest of those three in the sense of, you know, it was announced about a year ago, we really need to make sure that it's not just about having mature digital companies there. It's about ensuring that, and you do need anchor tenants like Atlassian is to Tech Central. But it's ensuring that like they were a startup at some point in the scale up, that you're also embedding that capacity by having a big company like Atlassian together with startups, with university presence there, to build the whole set of stakeholders in the innovation ecosystem. And the point again, coming back to priority action three, is that when we're discussing these precincts, research translation must be a feature of attraction investment attraction to those precincts and so we might like to have the big companies with the big names but we must be asking them to invest in research activity at those locations spend an equal or somewhat comparable dollar around the research translation and their investment into innovation creation in that innovation precinct
1: that's going to be a tricky one to achieve i suppose as all of these things are
0: i agree with you they are i think part of the solution to that, and it's not an easy one to deliver, is to ensure the investment traction that we do has research and development as a feature of the kind of investment attraction that we are driving in the state. I don't know that to be the case. You know, it's not going to be the only thing that you do there. And a lot of the work that we have done recently and it's called out in the Economic Blueprint you mentioned, and it does talk about this action plan, which at the point when it was written was being worked up, You know, research and development translation is an economic tool. We need it to sit within our precincts. And Treasury, by saying that, is very, very powerful because traditionally they've measured, you know, job creation through large infrastructure projects. We're asking them now more and more to look at, you know, what is the more long-term sustainable job creation you get through innovation, through research and development translation, which hasn't been a strong feature of what they've done.
1: Yeah that's, uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so look, the third one is about targeting strategic support for New South Wales universities. But I guess I'm sort of interested to know in relation to this, because obviously there's a huge amount of federal funding that goes into the universities and that, that side of research. So even in relation also to the precincts and getting R&D into those precincts, I'm always confused as to how we specifically coordinate between levels of government. I mean, obviously, New South Wales is firing off on these initiatives The federal government seems to be retooling its own industrial policies right now. So how are you coordinating around that, you know, targeted strategic support for universities?
0: So at the centre of this priority action number four was saying that we, New South Wales government, need to be much more strategic about what Commonwealth government dollars we're going to chase, that it should align with the R&D roadmap and our industry strengths, and we should work across government to back bids that we go to the federal government on. We do some of that. I mean we've been quite successful in securing a lot of Commonwealth dollars around the defence industry through our defence innovation network. But we need to do more of that. Some of that takes place or has taken place through Goodwill, through people working together, Treasury, our chief scientists, premiers and whatever the um, particular agency of government that has that activity in it. So with a bit more focus, we can leverage what investment we have in that research and development activity and align ourselves with what some of the Commonwealth priorities are. There may be Commonwealth priorities we're not aligned with, and that's fine. So let's, let's go after in a hungry way with our, our strengths and our aspirations for building new industries.
1: Okay, finally, the fifth... Core recommendation is around establishing an R&D matchmaking platform. Now, this is tricky. I mean, they're all tricky, but uh, mm-hmm. I think we've had a few cracks at, at making this kind of matchmaking platform. How are you going to do it differently this time around?
0: So this is a budgeted platform. You have $2 million to set up what's going to be a matchmaking platform, not curated by government, but a place where we're responding to feedback from all parts of the innovation ecosystem, where you know startups could say we need skills in this area. It may be business skills, entrepreneurial skills. Researchers saying it'd be really great to know what industry is thinking in terms of research projects that they want done. Talking to industry who say it's really serendipitous if we work with universities. We'd really like to know are they doing research in the areas we're interested in, and then also to respond to the fact that we have large amounts of taxpayer dollars invested in research infrastructure through our acronym is called the RAC program but we do bid to federal government to get federal government funds into infrastructure that's you know very valuable but isn't visible sometimes to other people once that bid and the equipment's been secured isn't visible to other people who might benefit from the use of it and so it's a way of bringing and a, a government can do this because we don't have a vested interest in outcomes other than Broadly supporting that ecosystem of stakeholders wherever they need it most, is to say, you know, we'll almost have like a post-it board where you'll be able to post your task, the air tasker, you know, whatever you want to call it, and make some of this more visible. And we're not going to tell you who you have to match with, but at least you'll have a better sense of what is going on. So the process we're going through at the moment, because there have been, to your point, there have been some examples of this. CSIRO has something like this, but you know, with talking with their chair, David Fody, and, and their CEO to understand the limitations of what they have. And it's great to have them on board because we're not going to duplicate what they've done, we're going to learn from what they've done. And, and I, there are other examples overseas. So we're not, you know, shameless, shameless in, in taking on other people's experiences. And the last thing I'd add is our water Research Network, which we haven't mentioned, was set up probably about two years ago and is chaired by a chief scientist and it brings together across our government in a way that we've never done before, research managers in each agency. We want to beef that up, supplementary actions, but that gives us a sense of, you know, at least through goodwill, of what everybody's doing in government around research. And there is kind of a very nascent early-day matchmaking platform that sits there. So, yes, it has been tried before. We're seeing what other people have done where they failed. And the idea about that is we're going to have to run right about May, we're going to get some more formal consultation with stakeholders. Uh, we're going to have to do, once we've scoped it properly, we're going to have to do some procurement for somebody to provide this platform, maintain it. And kind of the timeline that we have is we look for doing a trial kind of project early 2022. And again, it's just responding to that. We don't know what's doing what to who, but we kind of, if we did, it would be beneficial for every stakeholder.
1: All right. Sounds, uh, that was our research network. Sounds very interesting and kind of segues to just one of my final questions. We'll start to wind up, but the R&D roadmap, I mean, some of the uh, priorities that will be revealed in this R&D roadmap, what's the timeline on that? When are we going to see that? And what's the process for putting it together?
0: So, in our action plan, we said we need a, a competitive advantage summit where we don't, we kind of scope inside government, but
1: we turn to stakeholders.
0: So, we're going to have a, a conference or a colloquium where our Chief Economist and our Chief Scientist lead discussion with stakeholders about what they think it is, so to kind of road test what we've discerned our strengths are. And, you know, in fact, that we've got that really great set of kind of goodwill working relationships with Treasury really helps in this because they're the other side of the coin to what our industry strengths are going to be.
1: When is that colloquium or the conference going to be held?
0: Oh, uh, We haven't got a date yet, but it's one of the actions that we're planning for so you know we'll obviously make it make it well known and that's the way we'll take that that forward we're sure we've got everybody else's views as well as our own
1: okay uh, we'll uh, certainly keep an eye out for that sounds good gabrielle upton uh, parliamentary secretary to the premier thank you for joining me i wanted to ask you one more thing it's not really asking you something, but I'm looking for a, a general statement. There's actually a lot riding on this now, isn't there? Given the economy has kind of kicked back in, I should have mentioned before like we're recording this interview on the first day of the vaccination rollout. So we're all very excited about you know, things returning relatively to normal, but certainly to get on with a productive year. But there's a lot riding on this. Just the technology trends anyway was towards an acceleration and then the arrival of general technologies like AI or or quantum computing. So really going to have a tremendous impact. So I want to get things right. So how are you feeling now about the plan? Do you think you've got it right?
0: I think as right as you possibly could. I was talking with our Premier about what, this action plan should have, like her words to me were, you know, just giving your best ideas. So we were given a wide ambit to come up with things. It was no prescription. I was really gratified because the premier, in her first two interviews for the year, both to the Daily Telegraph, which is a very kind of retail audience, not to the Sydney Morning Herald, said research and development is something that she has a personal focus on. But She's welcomed the report. So yes, there is a lot writing on it. I mean, my argument to my colleagues has been always that. We've had a big focus on hard infrastructure over our term of government. We have about $106 billion invested over forward estimates. So this is a complement to that. And, in fact, long-term sustainable job growth, which state governments are always wanting to increase, is best delivered through a focus on soft infrastructure like research and development translation. I mean, I'm confident, I'm gratified that the Premier has responded to our request that she takes us on as a personal mission a challenge and I think that's also embedded in our recommendation to her that she takes personal leadership so she's accepted that challenge. You know, will there be the changes in government that with the implementation and the framework and the structure we need to better deliver this across government? I'm reasonably confident that something of that order will occur but ultimately that's the Premier's decision but make no mistake, in the meantime, Treasury, Chief Scientist Officer and myself are uh, working on the two actions we've got the budget for and then also accelerating the um, R&D roadmap. We called our Advisory Council together again last Friday to debrief them and to kind of reconnect because there's also a recommendation, recommendation supporting Action 5 where we say the government would benefit from a group of more connected individuals who understand different parts of the innovation ecosystem to come together on a semi-regular basis to give directional guidance to the government. So my intention is to, to take steps as if we are already doing it and I think we'll be joined with people who want to support that and we've got enough in terms of budget and activity going on that we're already starting to action the action plan, which is all we can do.
1: Very good, Gabrielle Upton. Thanks very much for coming on the commercial disco. I Really appreciate it. Very glad to hear thanks, the James. very glad to hear the premiers on board. It's always good when yeah. the leader is uh, getting behind these things. We will obviously be watching with interest from here, and uh, good luck with the rollout of all of those initiatives.
0: Thank you. I look forward to being in touch. We definitely want to connect with you when we have a timeline around the SBIR and the matchmaking platform and the R and D roadmap when those come
1: to fruition with dates from
0: those different literature. Very
1: good. Thank you, James. Thanks, Gabrielle. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Commercial Disco. Please like,
0: subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you heard us. And head on over
1: to our website, innovationoz.com to check out our latest news and reviews focused on tech, innovation and policy
0: and reach out on our social media to ask any questions or be a guest on the show. Until the next time, this is the Commercial Disco, wishing you a great week ahead.